And there's the first set of marks. Do I really have to go any further? One, two, three, sixes, and the rest of them are 5.9s. That was for technical merit. The second set of marks can only confirm that Jane Torval and Christopher Dean have won the gold medal. That for technical merit. It's right across the board. That's it. What a marvelous, marvelous set of marks. This is our Everest. Greetings, Culture Vultures, and welcome to This Is Our Christmas Everest, the only advent calendar that has a little pebble of shit behind every door. Every single last door. Some of the bits of shit are more odious. Yeah. And 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 difficult to remove than others, but make no mistake, they're all turds. And today's... Today's entry is a floater. <laughs> I would suggest. Yeah, yeah. A foamy poo of a TV program. This is the Torville and Dean Christmas special, 1984. Those people who are not aware of 1984 beyond the uh, excellent book about that year written by George Orwell will not necessarily know that in that year there was a Winter Olympics and that Britain's leading pairs figure skaters... Achieved for the first time in the history of the Olympics, maximum score for artistic interpretation in the ice dancing, thus winning the gold and everyone in Britain's hearts. Because, I mean, let's face it, there's nothing that gets British people's juices flowing quite like being good at something. Yeah. And Johnny Foreigner having to bow down and acknowledge that everything that we do is right and everything that they do is wrong. And that's what happened with Torville and Dean, and yeah. as such, a full 11 months, I think. Yeah, 11 months. The Winter Olympics finished in February, uh, February the 19th that year. Yeah, I mean, I watched I watched it. It was on, I think it started the very arse end of the Christmas holidays. Well, it didn't, unless your, Did unless your school was very liberal. It started on February the 8th. Oh, did it? Was it late as that? I, I may well have been off school sick, sick to death. I was a I was a sickly child. Yeah, and ugly. And ugly. Yeah, and stupid. <laughs> but um, yeah, I was quite a sickly child. And uh, if would I be that surprised if I was off school uh, sick in February nineteen eighty four? Not in the. I uh, I once got gastric flu during uh, a Winter Olympiad, and oh, I've right. never felt so incredibly wiped out in all my life as when I was yeah. watching fit men skiing uphill when all I could do yeah. was just clench my buttocks for an hour. Yeah. I mean, that's the great thing about the Winter Olympics, isn't it? Is that it's always a bunch of sports that you don't watch at any other time. Yeah. Uh, and and I go into it like some blundering ignoramus. I've got no idea what's going on. Absolutely none whatsoever. You know, ice hockey, yeah, I, I think I understand ice hockey. Yeah. 
And and I get that in a lot of the skiing, you know, most of it is getting there fastest. I understand the concept of a race. Yeah, fastest and furthest, I get. Yeah, but some of it is just absolutely fucking incomprehensible to me. Absolutely. In fact, most of it is, you know, what what's the difference between a skeleton and a luge? Why are they bothering with all these distinctions? I've got no problems with those distinctions. My problem with the Winter Olympics is things like ice dancing. Anything where right. there is a subjective element to who wins, I'm not interested mm. in. It may have all of the necessary skill and physical prowess mm-hmm. and require every bit as much determination and training as a proper sport, mm-hmm. but it isn't one. I both agree and disagree. Oh, do you now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, let's start with how you agree, because I think we can all agree on okay. that. I agree, and the first, one of the first bits of this program, this Tourville and Dean allegedly Christmas special. Fucking. But the first bit of it, when they when it kind of t- is talking about their decision to turn professional. Yes. And it kind of does it in the manner, what it reminded me of was the way that they used to talk about rugby union players. Yes. Who transferred into rugby league. Because, and this is something which astonishes me to this day and younger listeners <laughs> like there's any younger <laughs> listeners might not even know this but rugby union was fully amateur it was until the mid 1990s <laughs> so if you wanted was. to make any money at all from rugby you had to play rugby league you know the england players would get uh, appearance money and i dare say that by the early 90s there was a lot of money go you know being passed under oh, tables i'm sure there was but um that was the principle, and it remained the same in the Olympics. They couldn't make any money from being ice dancers no, and compete in the Olympics. They had to turn professional. And it was talked about in the way that you would talk about it in terms of sport. But it wasn't the same thing, because the the jump that they're making is from sport to ballet or something. Yeah. You know, ballet, you could say if you're going to be charitable or if you weren't going to be charitable, you could say holiday on ice. Yeah, but they're not, you know, the whole point is that they're not, they're, they're doing ballet on ice. That's well, yeah, that, yeah what that, it is, is. that is true. But, but you know, the, the point is that they're not jumping from one sport to the same version of the other, uh, you know, of that sport that you get paid for. They're doing the same thing, but in a completely different environment, in a completely re- different yeah. Discipline, effectively. And what I found really interesting about watching the programme, and it was the only thing that I found interesting, I was really fucking scraping the bottom <laughs> of the barrel over this, <laughs> was that I had no interest in them once they turned professional. None whatsoever. Well, no. Because they weren't doing it competitively. And I get what you're saying. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. About, um, you know, anything with any subjectivity in it can't be a sport. But I would argue, counter-argue, that that subjectivity only makes up part of it. Yeah. There are also, you know, there's the technical aspect of it that they have to do all these things and do them all perfectly. That is true. So there is a sporting element to it. I know, I definitely And even if you don't consider it a sporting element, there's still a competitive element to it. 
And whether you call it a sport or not, it's still competitive. And that's the thing, is that the the moment they said, like, yeah, we're turning professional, I was just like, well, I'm not going to go and watch that because I enjoy watching them do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. That is very true. And, I mean, I think that the, the two arguments can actually coexist. I mean, obviously, essentially what you're saying is that the subjectivity of it doesn't detract from the fact that when when they go when they go yeah it is ultimately it is subjectivity but it is subjectivity on a competitive basis and and yeah. when they turn professional you know you could go yeah. well let's go and see the world's best figure skaters well says who says who <laughs> them yeah and the thing is that they have the judges for it it's not like there's ever been an example of a judge Going, oh, actually, I'd prefer it if they belly danced or did some break dancing. No, I, I get the feeling that the judges in these things are real jobs worth. There is a commonly assented understanding of how the judges will yeah. view these things. It's very framework orientated. I think, I think. ultimately, what I'm, my biggest complaint about ice dancing then really is that they don't explain the dark arts of all of that well enough because there's a fascinating story there yeah i think your biggest dislike of it is that you don't understand it well no and the thing is well, that with competitive sports yeah. all you have to know is depending on the sport who's got the most points or who's got the least points yeah you know but it's it's more difficult. You're not the ultimate arbiter of it. The numbers aren't the ultimate arbiter of it. It's someone else's opinion. The the fact that that person knows a thousand billion times <laughs> what you know about ice dancing is absolutely and utterly irrelevant to you. I know that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a fair statement. <laughs> um, but you know, I'm I'm perfectly prepared to accept. That their job, you know, their sport, the sport that they're doing, is 50-50 split. They've got to do all this shit that they've got to do. Oh, yeah, there are definitely required elements, yeah. I mean... And then the other... Yeah, and then the other 50% is you've got to impress those guys. Some of the dances that they had on this programme were competitive dances from um, the OSP, the original set pattern which has a yeah. very, very strict set of guidelines about what you can and cannot yeah. do. However, let's talk now not about ice dancing per se, but about this particular programme. Because it was a strike... When when I saw it on the list, I thought, oh, the Torville and Dean Christmas special. I was expecting, essentially, it to be like a variety show on ice. So was I. Um... I didn't look at it at all. I literally just looked at the title and went, yep, that's going in. Did not check what, in the slightest. What I didn't expect was a cobbled together load of old clips, like archive footage of, of dances. Mm-hmm. No no interview at all with Torville or Dean. You didn't even, nope. didn't even see an archive interview. Nope. You didn't hear... Not at all. Either of them speak at yeah. any point at all, yeah. or even see them. No, out outside of in the any, anything less than a, anything less than a full body shot from a distance. So, what you're left with is Simon Reed making his second appearance on the podcast. Yeah, well done, Simon. <laughs> yeah, impressive. that is impressive. That is I wouldn't impressive. have called that. 
and a complete accident. In fact, I wrote down, it's John Infidel. Uh, and then I wrote, oh, hang on a minute, it's not John Infidel. <laughs> he's reporting from Obersdorf, West Germany, which is the training headquarters, beloved of Torville and Dean, because as their coach, uh, the other only other person who's allowed to speak in this entire programme, Betty Calloway explains, for their show of unashamed nostalgia, that, and that's a quote, mm-hmm. um... One of the reasons that the Oberstdorf facility is so beloved of the competitors is because they've got rinks and they've got hotels. So, you know, well done them. That was it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was expecting you to be doing it, like, you know, on a tropical island somewhere. Fuck's sake. I mean, look, right. Well, yeah. Okay, here's the the problem with this programme, because I can see what this programme is. Yes. What this programme is is a VHS compilation that's intended to be sold in our price, an HMV. Yeah, to people who are on the cusp of going through the menopause. Yeah, quite likely, yeah. And John yeah. Inverdale. And John Inverdale, yeah. And, He's um, saying, I don't remember doing this. But the problem is, they haven't got all the rights. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And most significantly of all... Yeah, this is the big... They haven't got the rights... To the fucking 1984 Olymp- Winter Olympics. So they haven't got the rights to show more than a 30 second clip of Bolero. What's the point like, in the, a Torville and Dean thing that yeah. does. To this day, if they made a Torville and Dean documentary and they didn't have Bolero in it, I would say, yeah. first, where's Bolero? Because yeah. Bolero, I mean, I cannot express to people, their younger listeners, who, you know, theoretically yeah. exist at least, I can't express to people just what blanket coverage that was getting in this country yeah, at the time. a really, really, really big deal. And, 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 and not having that is like doing a documentary life story of Neil Armstrong. Yeah, yeah. And only showing ten seconds of the moonland. Yeah. It's it's like you know, it is, for better or for worse. Yeah, they did win the world championships. Yeah, they did come back in nineteen ninety four, yeah. I think. And won bronze yeah, medals. And, and won and won a bronze medal. Um but the fact of the matter is that that was um, in particular the performance in Sarajevo. Yeah, yeah. In the final, which I definitely saw because it was on in the evening and it was on live. Well, TV. and then it was, it was on, on every single hour of every single yeah. day afterwards. And I and I yeah, and I do actually remember watching it. And it now that is an incredible performance. If you've not seen it before, then yeah, go and watch it, it is because it's, it's there's no deny there's no there. You are aware of being in even if you don't understand it the technical aspects of it or whatever. Yeah. You are aware you're in the presence of something special. Yeah, yeah. and it, it's 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 a, it's a, it's an extraordinary piece of music. This haunting circular It's helped by the the music. Because the thing is, I love um Bolero by Ravel. It's my favorite yeah. piece of classical music. But the specific recording that they got and the specific sound system that they had in that rink in Sarajevo, yeah. which gave it a slightly sort of bent, <laughs> yeah, distorted. Yeah. No, whether it was quite in tune or not is absolutely unfair. That that is my favourite version. That 
the exact version of Bolero that is playing at that moment then, because it is extraordinary. I learned an interesting fact about oh, yeah. that. And so this is something somebody told me. This isn't even something I just looked up on Wikipedia. Wow. But um, it's believed that uh, Ravel was suffering from Alzheimer's disease at the time that he wrote Bolero, which is why it has such an unusual uh, sort of repetitive and circular structure. But like I say, the BBC have clearly given them the rights to like 30 seconds, uh, which they have to use very judiciously. And so they use like ten, about 10 seconds of it, <laughs> and then they judiciously. choose about 20 seconds yeah, yeah, of like yeah. the scoreboard and, and all the rest of it. And then they've managed to find from somewhere else. Yeah, it was a performance of it at the World Championships that year in Ottawa. Yeah, which is like the last competitive performance of it i think they said yes i believe so. and um and they can't even show all of that no because we're going to bear in mind this is an hour-long program and we've sat through four or five oh there's more full I mean, routines by the end uh how many routines have we got there's uh song of india yeah um racist evergreen spanish rumba yeah let's go to the hop barnum yeah. rock and roll yeah. Um, Westminster Waltz yeah. Blues OSP. Yeah. 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 So there's. I mean, that's ten. They're really well, and actually, and Paso Doble, Mac and Mabel, oh. and I won't send roses. Oh, well, that's thirteen then. So I mean, because it was. Bear in mind here that it was more or less non-stop for most of it. They would just go straight from one to the next. Did yeah. you have a favourite? No, they were all the same. To oh. me, to, the, to, the the thing is, for, to me, a completely untrained eye in ice dancing, they all look the same to me. It's just different music. I'm a completely untrained eye as well, but I the, the one that I did enjoy. Okay, I enjoyed the Barnum one. Okay, because um, obviously, I mean, it is interpretive. The entire, you know, the entire dance routines yeah. are, you know, interpreting that piece of music. That is kind of the point of it. Yeah, and uh, I thought they, I, I, it, I thought they did a really, really good job with Barnum, and it, and it, and it was a bit different. One of the things that aggravates me about ice dancing actually is that acting and interpretive thing, that really pisses me off. I don't, well, I, I mean, it, the... I don't want to see people fucking acting when they're doing sport. Yeah, but don't, this is don't be acting. Yeah, but this is like you know, it's only barely acting. Well, yeah, but if it if really is, is in the loosest possible sense. If anyone has ever gained point one of a point because they thought that it was particularly affecting acting performance, then I'm going to burn all worlds. Yeah, but that that's not how ice dancing judges would work. That's not how they would process what they were seeing. It just yeah. isn't. No, no, well, I, I mean, no, I, I'm willing to accept that. I thought that what they did with Barnum was really interesting. I thought it was very original. I thought it looked, it looked like what it was. You know, this is circus music. It was a circus style dance. Yeah, um, it was. There was really an elephant. Cle- yeah, it was cleverly, nicely done, and I and I, I did enjoy that. If I had to pick a favourite, I think I would pick the one that they opened the show with. Song of India, purely and simply because I really like the trousers that they were wearing. Okay, they were, they were wearing hairy trousers. 
Um, And it made him look a little bit like Mr. Tumnus. But but the hairy material also served to massively accentuate their bum cracks. Yeah. Um, I also enjoyed the fact that during one lift, Christopher Dean gets a face full of muff. And I also enjoyed the fact that, yet again, Jane likes to have a good lollop on the ice. I reckon Jane Torville might be one of those people who just runs a little bit hot. And, you know, bit of a slide along the ice, sort of full body slide. She likes to incorporate into a lot of their routines Hmm. so she can cool down a bit. I don't know. I remember there being a big fuss. Um, and I don't know what tournament it was, but I remember the Daily Mail, the <laughs> day after something, showing a close-up picture in which they were like, oh no, did her hand touch the ice? Oh no. Because I think that's an automatic disqualification. It looked like it might be something that the judges were have missed, and it blew up for a couple of days or so, and then it just went away again. I don't know whether that was the Olympics or whether that was a World Championships or quite what it was, but I, I remember that being a, a thing for a very short period of time. Yeah. I can completely picture the British press doing that. Yeah. What a bunch of steamers they truly are. Yeah, and it was definitely Bolero, because I was interested enough to read the story. You know. Yeah, I mean, it was everywhere. I saw Bolero. Everywhere. Uh, I was Everywhere, really? yeah. I mean, you've got to remember, <laughs> I was four years old at the time. And we didn't have a video recorder. I think we probably only had a black and white TV. And I seem to recall You'd Bolero being on the TV. The I would have been three, yeah. I, it was on the TV, it seemingly, endlessly. Because my mother would find any outlet that was playing it, which, you know, given that there were only four TV channels at the time and only two of them had access to Winter Olympic coverage, I imagine that uh, when BBC One had to go to a news break, they interrupted the Bolero on on that channel for half an hour's Bolero on BBC Two. When I was working out the TV rights thing for this earlier on, the thought occurred to me, which I had half forgotten, which is that the Olympics used to be shown on two channels. Yeah. The Olympics used to be shown on the BBC, and it was ITV up until 1984. And then I think Channel 4 showed it in 1988. I think. Yes. And then it was only, I think, from 1992 on, that it went to BBC only. Oh, okay. So that's well, a, well, that's a relatively recent thing, do you know what I mean? So I've got a feeling the 1988 Olympics, I don't know whether it was live or highlights only, or they had to split it, or they could both show as much of it as they wanted, but I, I, I think that the 1988 Olympics were shown on Channel 4. I'm still appalled. I mean, just just looking down my notes, I am still appalled by what happened in this programme. Because uh, what they should have done for full transparency, right, is at the beginning of the programme, Simon Reid should have come on and gone, hello, it's been a great year for Torville and Dean, well-known ice dancers, and if you've come here to see Bolero, we're not showing it. And everyone would have gone, okay, and switched over. So I understand why he didn't do it, but it still smacks of desperate 
desperate underhandedness. It's uh, I mean, I don't think that this was on at nine o'clock on a Wednesday night. I, should hope they, not. I don't think the I don't think ITV cleared its Christmas Day schedule to make way for this. <laughs> they cancelled the Queen um, for this. It looks like a bit of filler. It it looks like a bit of fluff. It felt like a bit yeah. of filler. It misses out. It doesn't really tell you very much about them. No, it tells you absolutely nothing about them as as people or anything. You don't get any of their background because was he a copper? He was. He was a. And she uh, was a nurse. She Somewhere? no, she was a insurance company clerk. Oh, I believe. Oh, right, okay. They're both. They're both from the Nottingham area. Yeah, and and but you didn't get any background on them at all. No, and I don't think. Again, I don't think that is because they weren't interesting enough. I doubt if that was an editorial well, decision. if they weren't interesting enough at that point, if you're Torvald and Dean and you're not considered interesting enough for an hour of TV in December 1984, then you've, you've absolutely shot it. And I, know, I mean, what I mean is that I don't think it was an editorial decision. We don't want to interview them. I just don't think they had anything to do with it whatsoever. Yeah, I would, I would suspect that, that. I mean, obviously, uh, having the coach there lends it a certain credence but you know she doesn't speak she could be creaming all the money off this she might well, she might own all the Torval and Dean rights who knows <laughs> nearly all the Torval and Dean rights I hope Torval and Dean never listen to this because I I, I, I the thing is they, I, I don't know if they're still doing it. They quite possibly still are. Don't they but, do um, um, that program, Dancing on Ice, now? Yeah, well, there you go. Which is what I thought this would be like. They've had a very successful career. Yep. Um, you know, I dare say they've made a ton more money than they would have done if they stayed in their chosen occupations. And we reduce it all to five minutes in Eastern Europe. Well, thirty-six years ago, they should take they should take it as a compliment because if anything else has come out of this podcast, it's that I have absolutely no interest in or respect for ice dancing, and yet if someone was showing Bolero, I would stop what I was doing and watch it. Right, so they should take it as an extreme compliment. However, this show was absolute horseshit. I mean, you could watch a porno and. If it didn't have any like <laughs> mad facials in it, you'd go, "Oh well, I was hoping for a mad facial, but you know, you never know what you're going to get in the old uh, porn porn lucky dip bin at the local pornographers." Is that is that how it works? If you had picked out, a, uh, if you had picked out specifically the porno Jack Jizz Pipe Laser Cumbolt Ophthalmic Surgeon. <laughs> And you still didn't get any facials, right? You would feel a little bit aggrieved. And this programme was that. I feel as though I need to Google that name now just to make sure that this isn't an actual film. I'll tell you, if there really is... In which you star. (laughs) (laughs) What was his name? Jack. Jack Jack Jizzpipe. You are a disgrace. I was just putting it in in terms that people can understand. Yeah. Yeah, Jack's pipe. Yeah. Hang on a minute, I'll put it in inverted commas. No, no results. There you go. No results found well, for Jack Jizz pipe. 
that's uh, that's our 2021 sorted. This podcast is going to be a Google whack. <laughs> Google wank. So yeah, I've. I mean, if you were into ice dancing, here's the thing: if you go and see Bucks Fizz, and they don't do making your mind up, but this is going to see Bucks Fizz in February 1982. And then oh, well, in that doing... case, I want to see him do Land of Make Believe. That's a much yeah, well, better song. Would... Don't be ridiculous. Of course it is. Absolute. They are the bolero of UK chart acts. <laughs> what? Written by somebody with Alzheimer's disease. Also, your wife looks a little bit like Cheryl Baker. I wouldn't know anything about that. Just saying. <laughs> My dad met Cheryl Baker once. Are you sure it wasn't your wife? It, well, it may have been, but it was uh, it was at a funeral for somebody who was in um, Bucks Fizz management at some point. Yeah, was, what was your wife doing at that? I think she was pitching to get a new series of Eggs and Baker. Oh, oh right. Okay, okay. I was there trying to pitch Jack Jizzpipe. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, I read about that. I read about that in the local newspaper. You don't when I, said, when I say pitch Jack Jizzpipe, I mean get an erection. <laughs> <laughs> How many churches have you ever had an erection of? Uh, I don't know if I've ever. Because I worked at a principal that you've been to a lot of churches. Well, I've been to. I've probably been to more churches than you. Oh God, I should imagine. But so, then again, yeah. although I've been to more abroad, I stopped going to churches reasonably early into my sort of pubic pubic years. So you would say no more than fifty then? Well, I mean, I don't. Know, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think that I'd had that many. But maybe I have. Maybe you know. Yeah, well, yeah. Maybe one. That's what I'm trying to. That's what I'm trying to infer. If you, if you crack a fat in a church, does it <laughs> so count? That's, a, that's that's the rumor I'm trying to start. Moves in mysterious ways. <laughs> Edward Carter. He's had an erection in up to fifty different churches. Just hope that people miss out the up to bit when they're reading it. I've had an erection in every church in East and West Sussex. <laughs> also, uh, the Isle of Wight. Ask me anything. Um, right, Torville and Dean, Torville and Dunn. I would say. Yeah, Torville and get the fuck out. This isn't there actually. To be fair to them, again, if they ever listen to this. This isn't actually anything to do with them. I, I bear that. I bear them no ill will. They paid no part whatsoever in this. They probably yeah. don't even know that this program exists. Is it even on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, I think they'll be <laughs> unless angrier. they've been searching for themselves. I tell you who has been searching for themselves on that video. Oh God, yeah, the bloody BBC. Oh, because when the little clip of Bolero does come up, a dirty great BBC logo gets stamped in the middle of it. <laughs> And the thing about that BBC logo is that that ain't the BBC logo that they were using in 1984. No. That's the BBC logo that they've been using since the mid-1990s, late 1990s. So somebody's been on YouTube and gone, hang on a minute. (laughs) And gone back. You you make sure you stick a great big BBC logo across that. Yeah. So, um, so, So we do know somebody... Seems to think there's some sort of value in it. I mean, yeah, Torvald and get the fuck out. I'd, like I say, they were the best in the world at what they did at the time. They were. It's really um, true. But if what they did wasn't being competitive, then 
I wasn't interested. Yeah, well, no, and, you might, and then you might, when it's not competitive, you might as well go to Holiday on Ice because you're seeing roughly the same thing. Um, I don't really know what Holiday on Ice is. I imagine that it's Do people they have in bears? Cost, I doubt they have bears. They might have people uh, dressed as bears. Now, bears on ice. Well, I think that that would we'll actually would, stick, stick. Don't a pin tell in me that. you wouldn't. Yeah, don't tell me you wouldn't want to watch bears on ice. Stick a pin in bears on ice because in a couple of days' time, stick a claw. Stick yeah, stick a good handful of claws in uh, in that because in a few days' time we will, I guarantee you, be talking about bears on ice, and that's a little. That's to get people in the mood. Uh, mm. That's that's why I uh, managed to crack all those church fats. Get yes. people in the mood. Tomorrow. It is the In Sickness and In Health Christmas special from, I think, Boxing Day 1985. You are spot on. Ding. Ding dong. Yeah, so we'll uh, we'll be back with that tomorrow. Thanks very much for listening, and goodbye. Once again, a roar of applause, and on the far side of the rink, the people are standing and applauding. The Union Jets.